0: Men and machines are pushing this great super road to completion. Interstate 81, Syracuse, New York. It's a big urban freeway that cuts right through the heart of downtown, elevated on a long continuous bridge that crosses block after block after block of city streets. At quick glance, Interstate 81 looks like a critical link in keeping people moving through the Syracuse region. So why is the New York State Department of Transportation talking about tearing it down? I'm Road Guy Rob with a look at some transportation news. Interstate 81 through Syracuse, New York is really nothing special. Like major urban freeways, it was built in the 1950s. I-81 used to run through the countryside, now it runs through suburbs, but when it approaches the heart of downtown, it hits the existing street grid. And planners and engineers and politicians at the time decided to just wipe out an entire row of city blocks take one for the team so that the freeway could continue to serve the neighborhoods adjacent to the freeway. These great pavements of commerce and industry will benefit all the people of Syracuse. Neighborhoods of houses, which back in the 1950s and 60s were primarily occupied by African-American working class families. That's just the way big freeway projects were built back then. To understand it, we have to go back to something called the Yellow Book. President Eisenhower had signed the Interstate Act which Congress authorized billions of dollars to be spent to build freeways connecting all of America's major metropolitan areas together so that the U.S. could continue to have an economic edge and, if need be, a military edge against the Soviet Union. The Yellow Book quickly drew up how America's cities would all link together and, more importantly, how freeways would run through the interior of existing freeways. Rather than taking these new super-highways around the periphery of a city, Congress authorized money to do something Europe had never done, Germany certainly hadn't done with the Autobahn, and that's take the interstates right up to the core of the city, cutting right through the existing city. And the Yellow Book drew where those roads were going to go. And there's something a little bit creepy when you look at the Yellow Book. It's not necessarily where the lines are drawn, but just the lack of detail. Existing urban areas are depicted as just a shaded gray area. No marking of parks, existing city streets, certainly no consideration of demographics or land use or even soil suitability. It was just a line across a page. Now, as plans continued to materialize, I'm sure engineers began to look into some of those aspects. And perhaps that's where things got even worse, a collision between value engineering, latent racism of the time, and 1960s Cold War big government. The heart of a plan for a network of highways that will bring to Syracuse opportunities for the greatest expansion program in the city's history. Engineers would put freeways in places that would, one, function well, you know, so near downtowns and existing jobs, and two, places where land was cheap. And where in a downtown do you find the cheap land? Neighborhoods that were considered slums. But when a slum is occupied, it's not just a bunch of dilapidated buildings, it's housing, affordable housing, typically for ethnic minorities. And so in city after city across America, these urban freeways and viaducts tended to disproportionately affect African-American households. And Syracuse had the same problem. Your trucks will be able to operate at lower costs, savings that can mean lower prices for Syracuse merchants or its manufacturers, and its consumers. And I could see for engineers at the time, it's easy to explain away that it's not racism. We got in and we looked to see which land was cheapest, what would be the best bang for buck for the taxpayer. And it always happens to be these same neighborhoods in city after city across America. For this is the wide and open road your state is building for your future. The most modern concept of highway engineering ever devised. talk environmental justice. It has nothing to do with plants or polar bears. Environmental justice is a policy that ensures land use plans, policies, big infrastructure projects do not disproportionately affect low-income or minority communities. We will not allow Warren County to become a dump site. Back in the 80s, Warren County, North Carolina wanted to build the landfill. And they proposed a place where land was cheapest, right next to a predominantly low income African American community. And those living there had enough. They protested. I don't want this stuff. throw it in my water. We're marching because we do not want this to affect our future. If you do not cease this unlawful act, you will be arrested. The leaders of the protests said they would not move, and they were the first arrested. State officials said they had no choice but to make the arrests if they were gonna move the people out of the way and get the trucks in here. 500 protesters were arrested, but it got Americans asking a question. Why? The U.S. General Accounting Office conducted a study, because that's what government agencies do, and it showed a shocking conclusion. For every four commercially hazardous landfill, three were located in predominantly African-American communities. And the unfairness of it got America's attention. We will not allow one county to become a dump site. Through the 1990s, the EPA set in motion policies which affect any big project, which includes freeways. It puts new scrutiny on new freeway projects to make sure that those projects don't disproportionately affect just the poor neighborhood. The slums could no longer be the whipping boy for all the other people in the community. Residents affected by Interstate 81 in Syracuse have long moved away. There are no houses adjacent to that viaduct in downtown Syracuse, all replaced with parking garages for medical centers, parking lots for high-rise buildings. So now the New York State Department of Transportation has a question. The beams underneath this four-lane elevated viaduct are starting to rust away. The structure has reached the end of its useful life. And with a level of public involvement and care which dwarfs the original construction, New York State Department of Transportation are asking the questions of how should the viaduct be rebuilt? What should it look like? because this gives them a -a once-and-a-half-century opportunity to determine what Syracuse is going to look like for decades into the future. Here's what they're considering. Syracuse has a Beltline freeway called Interstate 481. If a person wanted to travel through Syracuse, say they were going from Binghamton, New York, to Watertown, it would only add a mile or two to have everybody, trucks, cars, to bypass downtown Syracuse entirely, making 481 the new Interstate 81 then the old Interstate 81 doesn't necessarily have to be a through freeway. On that viaduct section, the part that's falling down, the part that over the last several decades has been a huge divider in the middle of their downtown, New York State Department of Transportation could just tear it down. So as you approach from the north or the south, you're on a freeway. But when you reach that downtown, the freeway sort of ends and turns into the downtown grid. The old I-81 would basically become two viaducts. It's a project that the city leaders like, advocacy groups like, and a project the New York State Department of Transportation seems to be pretty optimistic about, too. But here's where the planning process comes in. Just as leaders in the 1950s and 60s thought they knew best for the public and were enthusiastic about, say, building a viaduct right through the heart of an African-American neighborhood, it's important that bureaucrats today also follow a process to make sure that what they build has a lot of public involvement. And that's exactly what they're doing. As good as this idea is, the New York State Department of Transportation still has not finished the study yet, because they want to make sure that whatever they build, it's something that the public has had involvement with, that they can own, that they can be proud of for decades into the future. For more transportation news just about once a week sent right to your phone, subscribe to Road Guy Rob's Transportation News wherever you get your podcast, Just search for Road Guy Rob. And head over to YouTube and check out my YouTube channel where I go more in-depth looking at topics like how exactly do you pay a toll when you're traveling out of state and the new technology that's going to make that a lot easier. Thanks for listening.